Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, <laughs> when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia, contests, classic radio shows, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio detective adventure of Philo Vance, starring Jackson Beck. But it's time now to play Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, either one or both of our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants must correctly answer more multiple-choice trivia questions about Jim Caviezel than me. Lisa Wolf is our moderator. I think that's you, right? It's still me. I'm still here. I All haven't right. left you yet. Very good. Lisa, please welcome our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants. Yes, we have Gloria. She's in the studio here, a friend of Carl's and a friend of mine. We're glad to have you tonight. Hi, nice to be here. We're glad to have you. And we have Robert on the line from Redding, California. Hi, Robert. Hello. And we're glad to have you, too. This is a game, and I think we're we're ready to start, right? Right. Okay, sure. and, and of course, Carl. All don't right. Don't forget about Carl, yeah, our host. whatever. Okay. Hey, Robert, how are you, buddy? Good, Carl. All glad right. To, glad to be talking. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Gloria, you're up first, okay? Okay. Jim played what sport in college but took up acting after injuring his foot? Did he play baseball, basketball, soccer, or football? I'm going to go with soccer. Oh, I'm sorry. It was definitely one of the other sports. (laughs) Robert, do you know? Basketball. It was basketball. He's got it. All right, excellent. Robert, you're up. What did Jim do in the Indy 500 race in May 2002? He had a job to do. Did he wave the checkered flag, wave the green flag, finish in the top 10, or drive the pace car? Drove the pace car. You are right. Actually, you know, you knew that? No, I was with him there. I was with him at in, at Indy that year. Yeah. Were you really? Yeah, no, yeah. Well wow. Jim's a good friend. Jim Jim starred in a movie that I produced and we be, we became very close friends. And I was in, in two thousand two was he drove the pace car. Yes. It, was, it was a Corvette. Yeah. And I was there with a bunch of uh people. Yeah, so well, I made up the So that other would answers. not have been a good question for me, Robert. All right, but, let's see if we but can, Robert got it. Yeah, let's see if we can stump a little Thank bit you. here, Carl. Yeah. What injury did Jim sustain during filming of The Passion of the Christ? There were a few, but I'm Quite gonna give you some choices here, okay? Uh, well he was well, let me give you the choices. Because you're, we're, we All have right. some other questions okay. about some other injuries. Did he fracture his knee, dislocate his shoulder, break his ankle, or sprain his wrist? Dislocated his shoulder. Yes, indeed. Yes, he did. Right. Okay, Gloria, here we go. You ready? Okay. Jim was handpicked by who to play the role of Stephen Catch Lambert in Angel Eyes? Who picked him personally? Was it Cher? 
Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Lopez, or Rihanna? I'll go with Lopez. You've got it, and she's on the board. All right. Hey, Gloria. Hey. G-L-O-R-I-A. <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. Robert, Jim played what role in the 1998 movie The Thin Red Line? Did he play Private Wit, Private Bell, Captain John Gaff, or Lieutenant Colonel Gordon Tall? Uh, Lieutenant Colonel. No, I'm sorry. Carl, you know this one? Wit, like wit. Wit. That's right, like wit, but not. Okay, you've got it. Carl. Yes. Jim did some modeling like you did. Calvin Klein. For what company early in his career? Calvin Klein. Uh, no. But go ahead, I'll read read the things. But he did he did for Calvin Klein. I don't know about that one. He did. You might be right. He did. J C Penny, J Crew, Ralph Lauren, or The Gap. Um, The Gap. The Gap is right. Wow, very impressive. Thank you. Okay, Gloria. Okay. While filming the whipping scene in Passion of the Christ, yeah. one of the whips missed the steel board and cut a 13 inch gash into what part of his body? I'm going to give you the choices. Is it his back, his leg, his arm, or his neck? I believe it was his back. His back, and she's got it. Wow, pretty good. Nice job. Nice job there. Glory. I'm sorry, Robert, Robert, Robert. Who did he portray? <laughs> I'm sorry. Who did he portray in the Word of Promise audio Bible? <laughs> what? Kyle's laughing. Was he the narrator, Jesus, Moses, or Paul? Oh, gee. Would you repeat that one? Oh, I thought you were going to say it. What were you saying? <laughs> was it portray? Was it narrator, Jesus, Moses, or Paul? Paul. Oh, no. Well, this isn't no. fair for me to, to answer this can I, can I answer it? No. Can't oh, go out of order. Come on. Um, well, it's not fair for me to answer it. I, you know. Well, I didn't give you the question, so just go for oh, it. Give me the answer. Uh, well, he reprised his role of Jesus. In it. Well, I'm not going to take a point for it. All right. Give me another question. Okay. Well, this is your question. All right. Jim was chosen as People Magazine's One of the Sexiest Men Alive in what year? Mm. Was it 2002, 4, 6, or 8? I'm going to say 6, 2006. Oh, I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Gloria, mm. was I'll... it 2002, 4, or 8? Sexiest Man Alive. I'm going to say four. Yes, and she's got it. Wow. All right, here's our final round. Wow. So right now, just just give you a little hint here. Gloria's got three, Robert two, and Carl three. Okay. Neck and neck, guys. (laughs) 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 All right, Gloria. Jim was considered for the role of Superman in Superman Returns, but the director refused to cast him, saying, A, he's too famous, B, he's too handsome, C, he's too tall, or D, he's too reserved. Mm, that's a good one. Mm. What do you think? Too reserved. Mm, I'm oh. sorry, I just made that up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Robert, do you know? Here's your chance. Oh, gee. He doesn't have a thick enough neck. <laughs> yes, he's either too famous, too handsome, or too tall. Oh, gee. What do you think? Too, too, too famous. 
too handsome. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Come he yeah, was too famous. They he wanted a uh, they wanted a less of a That's true. known he guy. Was too famous. Yeah. Okay, Robert. Jim played Bobby Riddle on which of these 1990s television series? Was it Saved by the Bell, Cheers, The Wonder Years, or Murphy Brown? Oh, the Wonder Years. Yes, it was the Wonder Years. Carl, final Ooh. question. All right. Most recently, Jim can be seen on the TV series Person of Interest as what character? Ugh. Is he Lionel Fusco, Harold Finch, Carl Elias, or John Reese? John Reese. You got it. All right, let's add them up. We got Gloria with three, Robert with three, and Carl with one, two, three, four, five. So you guys didn't beat the host, but it was fun playing. And you know what? What? They really knew these answers. It I'll tell a, you. It was Fantastic. A good game. Robert, great job out there, my friend. Thank you. Thank Way to you. go. My crabby brother will send you some. Oh, thanks. My crabby brother will send you some fun prizes. Gloria, great job. You want to say hi to Vince and Chris and Christy and everybody hi, and Nikki and Nikki and everyone. All right. They're all listening. All right, Lisa Wolf. Great job. When we come back, it is Philo Vance. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Created by S.S. Van Dyne, Philo Vance was quite popular in books, movies, and on radio. He was portrayed as a stylish, very intelligent, and cultured private detective. An Americanized Sherlock Holmes working out of New York. In the movies, William Powell, Warren William, and Basil Rathbone played Vance. On radio, he was voiced by Jose Ferrer and Jackson Beck. Not that Vance needed any help solving a crime. He did work closely with his secretary and right-hand woman, Ellen Deering, and his pal John Markham, New York County District Attorney. Like, I work closely with Lisa Wolf here. Like, what would I do without you, Lisa? I, I can't even imagine. You ima- I can't imagine. I don't even want to think about it. No, that you know, would be a dreary life. Every once it? in a while, Lisa takes a, a show off. She goes, you know, on vacation. I mean, I have no life, so I do this show every week. But Lisa actually has a life, and she goes I, on vacation I once in a I while. I think I take off once a year. I think that and about covers it's just it not me. the same, Lisa. Well, it's just not the same without you. Well, that's not really good. I mean, it's it could be really better not. or worse. No, but. I mean it, it's no. I mean it's uh, it's just <laughs> it's not different. fun. It's not fun. No, I mean of Mike not. is great, and he comes in and helps and yeah, stuff. But Mike's down the hall. But if it's you lonely when you're not here. here, it's just there's no one to joke around with I know. and to. Be mean to. I know. And, you can't be mean to the listeners. You know, so. and to uh, give a hard time to. Right. It's just not fun. It's not fun without me. Without you. You're just, you're great. You take a lick and keep on ticking. Yeah. I've always said that about you, Lisa. Oh, I give it right back to you, Oh, Carl. I know. Don't you worry. Um, so, hey, ready to listen to a good Philo Vance detective adventure? I sure am. Jackson Beck. He was uh, the adventures of Superman. He was the announcer on that. And I remember you me- sound just like him. I know. I met him one time, real, real quick. I'll just give you a quick story. Did I he met try him- to run you over? I met him one time. No, he didn't try to run me over. And I tried to interview him, and he was like, "What's this for? What are you interviewing me for?" I'm like, "My radio show." He's like, "Uh, no, I don't think so." Yeah. Now he was a kind of a grouchy old man. Yeah. He was not. He was not a happy camper. Yeah, that's what I think um, about you sometimes. But I like him. I like Jackson Beck. I like you, but Great. sometimes you're grouchy. I can be grouchy, yeah. Yes. This is from September 21st, 1948, the backstage murder case, starring uh, kind of a grouchy guy, Jackson Beck. Let's tune this in, part one of Philo Vance, Detective.
Miss Deering, do you think you might stop typing for a moment and listen to me? I could try. Thank you. You see, Vance, you never know the things you can do until you try. What am I to listen to? At the moment, a bit of thinking aloud. Markham phoned and asked me to wait for him in my office. Right. Why? I don't know. It can't be a murder case or the eminent district attorney would have asked you to meet him at the scene of the crime. Say, who's doing this thinking aloud, you or me? Both of us. Markham said he was going to bring someone with him. Now, who could that be and why? Well, it could be anyone and for almost any reason. Ellen. I know. Go back to my typing. I'd like to make a wager with you. I'll bet I come closer to guessing the purpose of the district attorney's visit than you will. Vance, if I bet against your guessing or your reasoning, you'd have the only full-time secretary with no pay on record. (laughs) Oh, there you two. Oh, hello, Mr. Markham. Come in, Doris. Welcome, Markham. And an extra special welcome to your lovely companion. Miss Jane L., may I present Philo Vance and Ellen Deering. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Uh, Come into my private office, Markham. Thanks, we will. Come along, Miss Jane L. Mm -hmm. Go right in, Miss Jane L. Thank you. Markham. Thanks. Oh, Miss Deering. Yes, Mr. Vance. You should have made that wager. I've never been further off base in my life. Now he tells me. (laughs) Well, I'm delighted to see you, Markham. And I hope I know why you're here. Well, I'm not sure myself whether I should have come, Vance. This isn't exactly in your line. I'm a private investigator. What's the trouble? Isn't this private? Yes, it most certainly is. Vance, Doris Jane Nell is the star of the play at the King's Theatre. Let me tell him, Mr. Markham, please. Oh, means. Mr. Vance, I received this note this afternoon. It worried me. I brought it to the district attorney's office because I thought that was the thing to do. Here it is. Will you read it, please? You read it to me, Miss Dennell. What does it say besides threatening you with death? But you haven't seen it yet. How did you know? You're upset, Miss Dennell. Nothing else would account for it. What else does it say? It says, if you play your role in the theater tomorrow night, you will be dead before morning. And that's all, Mr. Vance. That's enough, I'd say. So the note threatens you if you go on tomorrow night, not tonight. Hmm. It might be the work of a crank, but I don't think we can afford to take that chance. I can't, I'll tell you that. Do something for me, Miss Dinell. If you receive any further communication, please mention it to no one. Now, that's important. I imagine you are not going on tomorrow night. Mighty good imagining, Mr. Vance. I definitely am not. I don't mind taking chances, but when I do, I just assume it cost me money if I lose. Not my life. Yes, who is it? It's Betty Wheeler, Miss Daynell. May I come in? Sure, come on. You wanted to see me. Badly. Betty, how long have you been my understudy? About three months, I'd say. And you've never had a chance to go on? No. Well, you've got one now. Here, throw this towel in the laundry bag, the one hanging on the door. Catch. Is this your laundry bag? It isn't anything Santa Claus is waiting to pick up. Just the laundry man. He won't be here for two days. Well, what about tomorrow night? You want to go on for me? Do I? Playing the lead on Broadway opposite Jack Aldridge. Oh, I can hardly believe it. But may I ask one favor? Sure, kid. What? May I use your room? Why not? I've never used a star's dressing room. The joint's yours for tomorrow night. Take it with all the trimmings. Yes? 
Hi, a decent Doris? Sure. Come on in, Peters. As if there was a way of keeping a company manager out of the dressing room. Hi, Doris. Hello, Betty. Going on here. Hello, Mr. Peters. Have you heard I'm going on for Miss Daynell tomorrow night? Huh? What's the matter, Doris? Don't you feel good? I feel fine. But I'd like to stay that way. I got a note threatening my life if I work tomorrow night. What? Maybe it's a gag, but I'm not taking any chances. Just one performance? That's all the note said. Peters? Betty here is your star for one night. Well, this show is getting jinxed. I'm sure of it. First it's robbery, now it's this threat. What's this robbery routine? Somebody steal a bow? Stealing a bow? Somebody stole the receipts from the office two nights ago. Over $4,000. And the cops are going crazy because they can't find any evidence of anybody breaking in. Inside job, huh? That's the way it looks. But that doesn't help this threat business any. Doris, you wouldn't... Uh Uh-uh. No, I wouldn't. That's what I thought. Mr. Peters, are you in there? That sounds like our director. Yeah, come on in, Hartley. Good evening, Mr. Mayo. Miss Wheeler. Good evening, Mr. Hartley. Peters, they told me you were in here. That was very nice of them. And you found my dressing room without trouble. Well, the director of our show has a sense of direction. Hey. I'm starting to feel better already. Miss Daynell, can't we go somewhere and talk? There are so many things I want to ask you. Well, there's one thing I want to tell you. Don't get used to the way Jack Aldridge makes love to you on stage. He's mine. On stage, and what's more important, off. Oh, of course, Miss Daynell. I know that. Well, what are you standing there like that for, Hartley? You're supposed to have come in here to see me. What about? I did not want to interrupt the young ladies. I find their conversation very interesting. I'll have a record of it made for you. Now, what do you want with me? Please come outside, Peters, so we can talk. Tell me in here. I think it would be better for you if you came outside. Okay. Come on. I'm ready. Now, Hartley, what is it? It's on your mind. Money, Peters. I need some money. Ten to a payday? <laughs> That's not fool, Peters. I don't want any of that vaudeville money. I need dough. A thousand, maybe fifteen hundred. Who doesn't? <laughs> you are going to give it to me. Am I? How do you know? It isn't how I know, it's what I know. Shall I go into details? <laughs> Jack, you know, I think I'm being a sap for believing that that threatening note I got was on the level. Maybe you're right, Doris. I just don't know. Nothing happened at tonight's performance. It wasn't supposed to be tonight that anything happened. I worked a little with Betty Wheeler, and tomorrow night, maybe the understudy gets her big chance. Told her she could, but now I'm not so sure. I'll miss you, honey, if you don't make it. You might miss me permanently if I work tomorrow night. I'm not sure yet that I won't go on. Something tells me maybe I ought to. Well, here's my apartment. You've got to make the long walk to the next one all by yourself. Think you can make it? I can make it this once. You're not nervous? No, not a bit. If anybody bites me, I'll scream for you and you can come and bite them back, okay? Sure is. Two more weeks and no more good nights, right? Right. Just two weeks till the wedding. Night, darling. Oh, you want an extra good morning kiss for the one we missed tonight? 
Well, I'm kind of going to want you to pay that little debt, honey. Good night. What's the matter with this lock? It's not the lock, it's me. There. I'm so tired. What can that be at this hour? Hello? Miss Danelle, you get my note? Yes. Who is this? Never mind. You're going to be a smart girl and not go on tomorrow night, ain't you, Miss Danelle? I, I, I don't know. You better know. You better know for sure, too. And I kind of I wasn't kidding, sister. I meant it. You walk on stage tomorrow night and you'll be carried out of your apartment the next day. The bad guys always talk like that. If you do that, Lisa, you're going to be carried out on a stretcher. Uh, talking yeah, like the always, bad guys, the bad, honestly, easy never, for you. The, the, the good guys never talk like this. It's always the bad guys. All right. Anyway, All right. I digress. All right. That's uh, Philo Vance. We'll get back to it in a minute. But uh, it's time now for another Jim Caviezel movie clip. This is a movie from 2000. It's a crime drama sci-fi. Take a listen. What did you say your name was? Frank. Frank Sullivan. Is this some kind of joke? Is this some kind of joke, Lisa? <laughs> 2000 crime drama sci-fi, Jim Caviezel. What did you say your name was? Frank. Frank Sullivan. Is this some kind of joke? If you know what movie that is, give us a call. Toll free 855-360-H360. The time to call is now. Phone lines are open. Win some fabulous prizes. Call toll-free 855-360-H360. Identify that movie, and we'll be right back. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All righty, this is Hollywood 360. My co-host, Lisa Wolf, my executive producer, Mike Costella, and uh, the whole gang is here. The whole shooting match is it's here. It's a small gang, but it's a good it's gang. A, yeah, but we, uh, you know, we get a lot done for just a few of us over here, right? Yep. because we're working overtime, right, Mike? I know. Lisa <laughs> works all week on this show. I call her sometimes, and she's like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm buried in work here for Hollywood 360. Yes. Yeah, she won't even talk to me sometimes. That's true. You know, I'm like, Lisa, I need to talk to you. I no. wanted to know. She's like, no. mm-hmm. She's just, it's called denied. You know, it's like the hand is up, denied. I just push decline. Right. There you go. That's what happens. All right, so uh, here's a uh, Jim Caviezel movie clip. What did you say your name was? Frank. Frank Sullivan. Is this some kind of joke? Is this some kind of joke, Lisa? Huh? Ah. Did you see this movie? I did not. All right. Well, Lois knows the answer, right? Lois, hang on a second. I'm hitting the wrong button. There's a lot of buttons, right, Lois? Hi, Lois. Hi. There's a lot of buttons over here, Lois. Trust me on this one. And sometimes I hit the wrong button, but you know what? I didn't hang up on you, so I get some credit for that, right? Yes, yes. Where are you calling from, Lois? Libertyville. Libertyville. Well, it's good to talk to you. And uh, do you know this uh, movie? Yes, Frequency. What would you think of this film? It was good. It was a really good movie, right? Dennis Quaid in this, along with Jim Caviezel. Yeah, Yeah, way to go, Lois. My my crabby brother will send you some fun prizes. Sound good? Sounds real good. All right, thanks for calling in. I appreciate you. Thanks, you too. Thank you. All right, Lois knew it, Lisa, and um, I uh, didn't hang up on her. 
So well, that's, that's a plus. A, that's a good thing. Yeah, I almost did though. I almost uh, it was like borderline. I just we would have called luckily, her right back. You know, it was like you know Superman used to save Lois Lane like all the Lois, time. Right. I sort of sort of saved Lois yes, there. I feel very Supermanish, very, very Clark. Kentish. You look a little right bit there. like Clark I know. Kent. I'm a little taller than Superman. Yes, I know. You are very tall. And I don't have the curly thing, you know, the black curly I just want to remind you thing. that you are very tall. But look here. Look at this. See the S on my chest there? I'm missing that. No. I like that. I don't see and, it. Uh, and uh, sometimes I fly. It's yes. usually after I'm done doing the four-hour show from you and I have a few libations. <laughs> But then I'm flying, all right. Oh, you're flying high. Yeah, but uh, Lois knew it. She knew it. It's Frequency, Dennis Quaid, Jim Caviezel, uh, Noah Emmerich in this. On April 25th, 2000, the New York Mets and the Cincinnati Reds played a game wearing their 1969 uniforms in order to promote this film. Because it flashes back, you know, there's this cross thing. It's a radio. It's very, very... There's a lot of uh, explanation. But you know what? If you haven't seen this movie, folks, Frequency, definitely check it out. It's an excellent movie. All right? All right. All right. Let's get back now to Philo Vance, Detective. Hey, everybody. 20 minutes to rehearsal time. 20 minutes. On stage in 20 minutes. That's what we did for your understudy, Doris, called a special rehearsal. Where is Betty Peters? Uh, in your dressing room. Oh. She said she had an okay from you to use it. That she did. Is Jack around? I don't know. I haven't seen him. Well, here's my room. I saw Betty come in about a half hour ago. Wait, I'll knock. Hey, she couldn't have gone out or I'd have seen her. Betty. Betty. Miss Wheeler. Hey, Wheeler, open up. Peters, I never locked that door in my life. Something's wrong here, Doris. Hey, somebody, Miller, Hartley, come on over here. Something's the matter in Doris's dressing room. Doris. Well, it, it isn't me, Jack. It's Betty Wheeler. She was using my room. Oh, thank goodness. What's going on, Peters? I don't know. Wait a minute. I got a key to this dressing room. Well, Betty took mine yesterday. Miss Wheeler is in there. I saw her go in. Thanks, Hartley. You're a big help. Yeah, here's the key. Jack. Jack, darling, stay close to me. I think I'm getting scared. Come on. Betty. Good Lord. Well, let me see. <gasps> Get back, everybody. Everybody keep away from this room until the police get here. Betty Wheeler has been murdered. This is her dressing room, Vance. Nothing has been touched, but the body has been removed. So this is it, eh, Markham? No possible lead on the killer? Nothing Sergeant Heath could find, Vance. You know about the robbery here a few nights ago? When the night's receipts were taken? Yes. I know about it. Heath believes that was an inside job, doesn't he? From what I understand, it had to be. No one broke in and the receipts were missing, over $4,000. That kind of money will be hard to trace. All small denomination bills... It would also make a pretty sizable package. But I don't suppose that matters. What does matter most now is this murder. Vance, do you think there's a connection between the murder and the robbery? Possibly. Let me see. Doris Denell received a note threatening her if she went on stage for tonight's performance. 
Then her understudy, Betty Wheeler, was murdered in Miss Donnell's dressing room. What's that? Sounds like a fire warning. Fire! Everybody get out! There's a fire in the theater! Everybody, Markham, includes us, I suppose. Doesn't anything ever upset you or your routine, then? Certainly. I was about to leave, wasn't I? Neither of you gentlemen need leave. There is no fire. I beg your pardon? I'm Oscar Hartley, Mr. Vance. There is no fire. Well, that's an absurd complication. Fire alarm, but no fire. Thank you very much, Mr. Hartley. Oh, uh, apparently you know Mr. Vance. I'm Markham, district attorney. Oh, uh, how do you do? Somebody set off the fire alarm, but there's no fire. Vance, what's going on here? I haven't the slightest idea. Let's lock this dressing room, Markham. No one's been in here since the murder. No, it's under guard until the police are able to go through it properly. But are we leaving, Vance? Yes. Where of the theater now, Markham? And tradition, it seems, insists that the show must go on. Well, so must we. This is District Attorney Markham. The backstage murder case began when Doris Daynell, stage star, received a note threatening her life if she played her role the following night. The threat came after the theater office had been robbed of $4,000 in small bills. Vance appeared at the theater after Betty Wheeler, Miss Janelle's understudy, had been murdered and met Peters, company manager, and Oscar Hartley, director of the show. He has yet to meet Jack Aldridge, Miss Janelle's fiancé and leading man. I have just had a report that Peters, the company manager, is in his office with Doris Janelle. It's just about the time for the Look, I don't want to hear any more about it, Doris. You're going on tonight. You've got to. I can't, Peters. I I just can't. can't? Why? Because of what happened to Betty? Not only that. I I can't tell you why. Mr. Vance told me not to. What is all this? What's going on here? Oh, all right. I'll tell you. I got a phone call last night. It warned me not to go on. Mr. Vance told me if I received another threat, I was to mention it to no one, and I haven't till now. You told nobody? Nobody but you, Peter. It's not even Jack. Doris, you've got to go on. I'll fill backstage with policemen if necessary, but you've got to go on. Oh. I can't refund the money for tonight's performance, and I'll have to if you don't work. We're in a financial jam as it is. What with that money being stolen? I know, and I'm sorry, but I Doris, simply... Doris, I know how you feel, and I'm sorry, too. But please, do this for me, for yourself, for the rest of the company. You've got to do it. <laughs> Hey, D.A., maybe I ought to take this murder room apart, piece by piece. Maybe then I'd get a clue to who killed that Betty Wheeler. Well, if you think that'll help, go ahead, Sergeant Heath. Maybe Uh... that won't be necessary, Heath. Hello, Markham. Oh, hello, Vance. Heath and I were just sitting here in the dressing room trying to reason out this Wheeler murder. That's not a bad way of solving a murder, Markham. Heath, what's the status of this room? What's been done to it since the murder? Nothing yet. Fingerprint man went over it, found nothing. I'm thinking of taking it apart. Not a bad idea. What's this on the back of the door? You mean the laundry bag? No, I mean this tacked-up notice. Don't forget to turn out lights. Laundry will be picked up every Friday. That's tomorrow. Please leave key with doorman. Well, there's certainly nothing unusual about that. It's on every theater door in the country. You know, Vance, I was thinking... The murder of this Wheeler girl had something to do with a robbery in this theater. I think it's the other way around, but 
I agree. You know something, Vance? If I could just find out who stole those receipts or where the money is, I'd be on the right track. I'm sure of that. Oh, I know where the money is. Uh, What? You do, Vance? And who stole it? I don't know who stole it or who murdered Miss Wheeler. But I repeat, I do know where the money is. Well, where is the dough, Vance? Right there in that laundry bag. But you can't know that, Vance. You were only in this room once before, and then only for a few minutes, and I was with you all the time. I didn't see you look in that bag. I haven't looked yet, but I see the sergeant is about to. Go ahead, Heath. Dump all that stuff on the floor. It's just what I'm doing. Holy mackerel. This package. Is that the money, Vance? Probably. Hey, it is money. Lots of it. Over $4,000, if I'm not mistaken. Vance, any time you say anything from now on, I'll bet you're not mistaken. How did you know it was there? Reasoning, Markham. The theater robbery we suspected was an inside job. In view of what followed, it seemed reasonable to me that the thief hid the money in this dressing room. Why would he do that? My guess is that he was almost caught. There's a night watchman at this theater. Maybe the thief saw him and knew he couldn't explain the package. Miss Danell told me her dressing room was never locked. Everybody in the show must have known that. So the thief, to avoid being seen, ducked into this dressing room. That's right. Hmm. He dropped the money in the laundry bag here, thinking he could pick it up the next day. But he couldn't get in here because Miss Dinell was using her dressing room. Yeah, when she wasn't, there was somebody around. Her maid, her fiancé, actors or somebody. So he couldn't get in here to take out the money. He knew the laundry was to be removed tomorrow. And tonight was the last chance he had to get into this dressing room and get back the money he'd stolen. Go ahead, Markham. You're doing fine. Uh, Thank you. First, he threatened Miss Danell, but he found that that didn't work because Miss Wheeler was using this room. That's right, Markham. And when he learned Miss Wheeler intended to use this dressing room tonight, he tried to get in here this afternoon. Only Miss Wheeler caught him. He had to kill her. But he still had no chance to get the money out. Later, he tried to get us out of the room with that fake fire. But that didn't work either. Hmm. Yes, that certainly sounds reasonable, Vance. It's what happened, Markham, I'm sure. Let's not say anything about finding this money as a first step. Toward finding the killer? That's right. And, Markham, what a big step that's liable to be. I've questioned Jack Aldridge and Mr. Peters, Mr. Hartley... And I didn't want you to think I was slighting you in any way. I know you had talked to them. I overheard you. You did? How? By the exceedingly simple process of putting my ear to the door. I just wanted to see how far Peters would go in indicting me. You see, he and I did not get on very well. So I learned. But still, you direct every show he's connected with. I'm a genius. That's not the way I heard it. Apparently, you have a hold of some kind on Peters. Very definitely. You see, many years ago, Mr. Peters happened to take some money out of a theater safe. The producer caught him. Peters was allowed to put the money back when he swore it was his first offense and would never happen again. So, nobody was hurt, nor any the wiser. Except you. Oh, I had to know. You see, I was the producer. It's an hour before curtain time, Vance. Aren't you going to the theater to watch Doris Daynell if you decide she is to go on? Probably. And you're going with me, Miss Deering. Well, good. You think I might have time to hop off home and don some gay arraignment? Yes, if you like. I thought I'd... Vance, 
You've got to come to the theater now. Sit down, Aldridge. Relax. What's the trouble? Doris received another threat. A phone call last night. The murderer insisted she doesn't go on and that there be no performance tonight. No cause for your excitement, Aldridge. No cause for excitement. After what's happening in our theater. I love that girl, Vance, and all this is making a wreck of her. She says she'll go on if you tell her to, but you can't take a chance with her life. I'm sure the murderer intends to strike again. That sounds like a line out of a play. But very well, Aldridge, I'll go. I'm sorry, Ellen. You won't have to bother about changing your dress. I'm going to see a murderer about changing his mind. I'm so glad you're here, Vance. When you're around, I feel much safer. That's hardly a tribute to my romantic appeal, but I like it, Miss Daynell. I'm just taking a little inventory. How many phone calls did you receive? Just one. One in my room. Vance, I told Mr. Peters about the call. I had to. I was trying to tell him why I couldn't go on tonight. You're going on, Doris, and you're going to be great. But the man who murdered Betty and who threatened me, Vance, what about him? Him? Oh, I know who he is, Miss Dano. He probably thinks he's very clever. I'm going to let him make his second mistake. Second? What was the first? Thinking he was very clever. Sergeant Heath. Right here, Vance. Can't see you very well in the dark, though. Just keep your eyes straight ahead, Heath. There'll be a light showing any minute now. Huh? A light? A match or a flashlight. Match, probably. It doesn't attract as much attention and suits the purpose. You're sure everybody connected with this show thinks we haven't examined the late Miss Wheeler's dressing room? <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I practically announced it to two cops so that everybody could hear. Did a good job. Vance, on the corridor, a light to match. That's what I expected. Do I grab whoever's carrying it? That's right. I'd sure love to know who it is. There goes the match in the dressing room, plus the man that's carrying it. Go get him, Heath. And get a look at him yourself. I promise you a great surprise. Ellen, how long will you be getting dressed? Not long. What's the hurry? Won't they hold up the show till we get there? Well, Vance, how do I look? As interesting as an unsolved murder. As soon as I find out if I like that, I'll thank you. <laughs> and speaking of unsolved murders, let's talk about one you solved. The backstage murder case. I understand from Mr. Markham that you had everything in the case all figured as you went along. How'd you know? Trade secret. That's trade secrets. I'll tell you why I like going out with you, and you tell me how you knew the murderer. Deal. You know all about the robbery of the theater safe and its association with the murder of Betty Wheeler? Yes, of course. Your turn. Well, I like going out with you because I never know what you're going to do or say next. Your turn. Uh, oh, just a second. Seems to me that I understood Doris Daynell got a phone call from the murderer several nights ago, just a few seconds after she'd said goodnight to her fiancé. Now, how could the murderer have been Jack Aldridge? Very easily. He needed only a few seconds to go into his apartment and call Doris to threaten her. Well, I'm waiting, Ellen. Oh, let's see. Uh, I like going out with you because you're so different. Now, another question. How did you know it was Aldridge? Good question. 
When he came breaking into our office last evening, he seemed terribly distressed about the phone call his fiancée had received. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to know anything about that phone call. Doris didn't tell him. Peters, whom she told, didn't tell him. So? So the only way he could have known about it is if he made the call. So he made it. Now it's my turn to say something nice to you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, let's see now. Well, is it that difficult? No, I've got it. I like going out with you on account of most of all, I like going out with you. (laughs) (laughs) A little repetitious, but very flattering repetition. (laughs) Well, that's about all there was. Of course, while I knew his identity, I couldn't prove it. So I set the stage for Aldrich to steal back the money he had hidden in Doris Dennell's laundry bag. He tried to, and Sergeant Heath took care of him. I'm glad. That Sergeant Heath took care of Aldridge? That and the fact that you were right again and that we're going out and that you're you and that I'm me and most of all, I'm... What? Glad. Yes. That this is the end of the backstage murder case. That was definitely the mutual organ, Lisa. I am not positive, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild stab. That was an organ. It sounded like an organ. It did Carl. sound quite. You are absolutely right. This it time. definitely wasn't a piano. No, it was, and not. it wasn't a uh, you're, harmonica. You're very musical, and it wasn't a xylophone. No, right? I right. would say that that was an organ. That's the mutual organ. And that was Philo Vance Detective, uh, September 21st, 1948. The Backstage Murder Case, starring Jackson Beck. Also, Joan Alexander in that, syndicated over Mutual, right? Right. You like that? I did. Good, good detective adventure. It's hard to hear through all the talking, but I got a lot of it. All right, there. good. Well, um, hey, you know what, folks? We have a Facebook page for this radio show, and we'd love it if you would visit that Facebook page and like us, and also um, post to us and let us know what you want to hear, right? Right. What is the Facebook page? It is Hollywood 360 Radio. That's what. Uh, that's why you're here, Lisa, that's to, uh, to uh, figure things out with that I can't figure out. I know. You know, we all and have our strengths we, and weaknesses, Yes, Carl. it's like she can finish my sentences <laughs> sometimes. Scary, I know. <laughs> it's very scary. So it's Hollywood 360 Radio, right? Yes, ah. and we've got a Twitter, which is at Hollywood 360 Radio. Yeah, that's not a disease, right? I don't want to catch a Twitter. I, I You could. You could catch anything. Yeah, I don't want to catch a Twitter. You make me a little nervous I sometimes. don't really know what Twitter is. I've heard of it. But I don't know how to use it. I don't want to learn how to use it. No, I mean, can't uh, teach an old. No dog good thing could come out of thing. me knowing how to use a Twitter. Facebook didn't work out real well for you no, either. So no, you it did leave not. Leave it to the pros, Carl. Yeah, leave it to you guys, you and Mike Estella. But do check it out. Do like us. We'd love it if you'd like us and uh, post to us. Let us know what you want to hear. Right? Definitely. There's a show you want to hear. We'll be happy to play it here. Yep. On Hollywood 360. All right. Thanks. Uh, we'll uh, take a break. We come back. It's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. In our next hour, it is The Green Hornet. You don't want to miss that. Plus, Sarah Adamson, our national movie critic, will be here to talk about two films that recently released, A Walk in the Woods and Learning to Drive. That's in our next hour. Lisa, will you be here, or are you just... uh 
Well, if you bribe are you checking me. checking out? Are you going to take a nap? Or bribe are you going to be here for the next what hour? What are you going to do for me, Carl? Yeah, stay awake. Okay, Stay awake, right. Lisa, and do the show. We'll I'll be try. right back.